Do you find that people are constantly interrupting you in meetings? Or maybe they, they question or even completely dismiss your suggestions at work. And maybe even worse, your team totally ignores you. If you think you have some great ideas, but you aren't getting your point across, you may have a confidence problem. Or more specifically, your team doesn't have confidence in you. It might be time to take a look at how your messages are being perceived by your team. It's possible you have a delivery problem. So stick around and we'll see what we can do to help improve the way that you deliver your ideas. What's up, UX fam? How's your mom and them? Welcome to another episode of Beyond UX Design. I'm Jeremy. If you're new here, welcome to the show. I'm super stoked you're here. If you haven't done it already, please consider liking or subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are a regular here and you do feel like you're getting something out of the show, then I would really appreciate you leaving a five-star review. That'll help me out way more than you can imagine. And of course, if you think the show is worth sharing, then I would love it if you told some friends. A couple of episodes back, I talked about a few key behaviors of great leaders and how these behaviors translate really well to UX professionals in general. One of the behaviors that I discussed was confidence. And after I had a week or so to think about it, what may have been a better way to describe that skill is less about being confident and more about delivering your ideas with confidence. Now, unfortunately, lots of research studies show that humans tend to care a lot less about what someone says, and we focus way more than we probably should on how that message is delivered. I recently finished a book by a woman named Vanessa Van Edwards called Cues, which I think is a fantastic book that UX designers who care about how they present themselves at work, should definitely read. It's all about mastering the hidden things that we project to everybody else around us on a daily basis. And most of the time, we have no idea that we're actually doing it. Some people are naturals and they can just command a room, even if their message is a load of crap. And then sometimes people with really great ideas, really novel ideas, people that can add a ton of value to a team, are just completely overlooked and it's usually because of how they deliver the message and how it's perceived by their team. The thing is that a lot of people just usually think that it's just the case that it's something that they'll never be good at. Public speaking or convincing people of ideas is just something where they just were born to suck. And you'd be surprised how many people out there who you think are naturals have actually had a lot of practice. And some of this they're still working on today. So getting back to this leadership behavior, remember that in his book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, Bradbury specifically says that leadership is not about personality traits, meaning you might be born an extrovert or an introvert, right? But leadership isn't about whether you were born with one trait over another. Leadership, but more specifically, the skill of delivering your ideas with confidence is a behavior that you can practice and learn and master over time. Let's start at the beginning. What is happening now that might make us decide that something isn't working and we need to change? Your team might be ignoring you completely. Your team might be talking over you in meetings. They might never let you get a word in. Your team might seem like they're listening, but once you stop, they just completely forget about everything you just said. Your team might be constantly questioning your ideas or shooting them down. Your team might be completely leaving you out of conversations altogether. Or you might just have a bad feeling that nobody respects your opinion. Some of these can be signs that you're giving off silent warnings to your team that they can't trust you, that you don't fully believe these things yourself, or that you just don't know what you're doing, even if you do. 
So what happens when we actually speak with confidence? The main benefit of delivering your ideas with confidence and commanding respect is that it really just makes your job easier. It'll most likely help you stand out more. Your presentations will probably be more memorable. You'll likely get less pushback. You'll most likely find it easier to sell your ideas and get your team bought into these things that you want them to help with. It may even ultimately help with promotions or raises because you'll just sound more enthusiastic and engaged, like you want to be there. And your boss will end up having more confidence in you and your abilities. And all this might happen just by changing the way that you speak and present yourself. It's not a bad deal, really. And the reality is that human beings focus a lot on how others deliver their message. And sometimes more than they focus on the message itself. So how we deliver our messages might actually be undermining the message completely. And that's not good if we have something really important to add to the conversation. All right, now listen, before I get into this, I want to say that some of these skills can absolutely be used maliciously. And remember, one of the things that we discussed in the last episode on these important behaviors is we should be mastering integrity. So do not use these methods to gaslight. Do not use these methods to hurt your teammates or sell ideas that you know are wrong or selfish things that don't help the larger team or the company. Do not do that. We should be using these tactics to benefit the users, right? To sell ideas on behalf of the users. Always remember that these things should be used to help improve the product for users and not to gain any kind of personal favors or to use them for selfish reasons. If you do that, you're a big fat jerk, so don't do that, okay? One of the other big things here is to understand our bias. And as UX professionals, it is really important for us to understand our biases, to understand that paying attention to how someone delivers their message might affect us on an instinctual level. But by knowing that we do that, we should try to pay more attention to the message itself and less on how it's delivered. And the point out of this episode today is to understand that humans tend to do this and your team most likely tends to do this. And so knowing that, we can improve how our message is delivered. This is to help you as a UX professional get your ideas across to people who might have these biases. But it's also important to note these things and understand that just because someone on your team displays some of these cues that can make us sound nervous or less confident, it does not mean that their ideas are less important or that they are less confident. I think that's really important to remember. So we're going to learn about the biases. We're going to watch out for them, but know that we're going to change the way we speak because other people have these biases, okay? So like I said, I recently read Cues by Vanessa Van Edwards, and I think this is an amazing book, and it can really help you to sell your ideas as a UX professional. I want to touch on some of the things that Van Edwards talks about in her book. It's not going to be an exhaustive list, right? Some of these things in the book touch on visual cues like body language and things like that. Now, that said, I think it's important to note that some of the issues we have with sounding confident in our own message have a lot to do with posture. And one quick thing I want to highlight from the book is this idea that a lot of our bad vocal cues come from the fact that we aren't breathing while we speak. And we could dive pretty deep into the tips that Van Edwards gives on body posture. But just remember that in order to speak with confidence, we really need to breathe. So sit up straight, stand up straight. And make sure that your lungs have air and you're setting yourself up for success. And definitely buy cues for some more specific details on how your posture might be killing your message. And today I want to touch more on the vocal aspect of a few of the things that Van Edwards lays out in the book. There are two main aspects to keep in mind when we talk about delivering your message and getting your point across to influence your teams in a positive way. 
there are confidence cues, right? These are cues that we use to show that we believe in our message and that it's safe for our teams to also believe in our message. And then there are warmth cues or sounding likable, having a more dynamic range, really just adding energy and personality to your message. If you think about these two things, uh, what we really want is a proper mixture of both. So if you use too many of the confidence cues with no warmth, you come across sort of as an authoritarian or cold. And if you use too many of these warmth cues, you come across maybe as unprofessional. So think about the opposite end of, of this where people lack both warmth and confidence. These are people who, they sound monotone, boring, uninspiring. They likely uh, don't have very much influence on the direction their team is, is taking. These are people you don't want to listen to. When they talk in meetings, you probably fall asleep. So it's important to use them together, right? But make sure you don't overdo it. I think this takes some practice to find the sweet spot. So just play around with it and be aware of that, okay? So let's take a look at Van Edwards' first concept of vocal power. There are five main points that help improve or hurt the way that our message is perceived. And this can really affect how our teams might perceive how confident we are in the things that we're saying, right? This is like a nervous pitch. That kind of uptalk when we finish a sentence in a question, vocal fry when your voice kind of starts to crack, you might speak kind of lower volume because you're so nervous. And then those filler words, things like, like, um, uh, things like that. So nervous pitch. I mentioned before that body posture plays a big part in how we relay our message. And when we, when we hear someone speaking and they sound nervous, we tend to wonder why they're so nervous. Are you lying? Can we trust you? Or maybe we just feel sorry for them. We pity them. And either way, this is killing how our message is perceived. Sounding nervous, right, often comes from the fact that when we get nervous, we tend to try to instinctually take up less space. Kind of makes sense, right? We, we're nervous. We don't want people to see us. So we, we try to sort of hide and camouflage ourselves. And obviously, when we're in a meeting, this doesn't do anything, but make it so that we have a harder time breathing, which in turn makes us sound nervous. So when we do this, our pitch tends to go up. We don't breathe, which causes a lot of the problems that we talk about in a minute, like vocal fry, speeding up, or speaking in a low volume. So to set us up for success, try lowering your shoulders, try to maximize the distance between your ears and your shoulders, straighten your back as much as you can, try to take up a little more space without looking silly, obviously. The next is up talk, and, and this next one, up talk, seems to be more and more common these days. I've noticed it quite a bit. It's also sometimes called HRT or high rise terminal. This is when you end your statement of fact with the rise in pitch, sort of like we do when we ask a question, like, like a Valley Girl or, or Californian or something. I think this kind of makes you sound like you're from California. It's like when you sound like you're questioning everything. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. I think we can go and get started now. I wanted to talk to you today about a really important UX decision that we made. I think you're really going to love it. This one kills your message because subconsciously, People are saying, wait, if they're questioning themselves, why would I trust what they have to say? One way to stop this is to be more intentional when you speak in meetings or during presentations. Practice your presentations beforehand. Record yourself. Listen back to what you're saying and see if you're doing it. And if you find that people are questioning you quite a bit in meetings, this vocal tick could have something to do with it. The vocal fry uh, was a term that I had never heard before reading cues, but it's something I've seen quite a bit at work and it's in just in conversations with people in general, really. This is when people's voice tends to start cracking or creaking. They sort of sound raspy. They call it fry because it sounds sort of like bacon frying in a pan, I guess. 
And again, this tends to happen when we stop breathing. It often happens at the end of a really long sentence. We get nervous. We forget to breathe. We're probably already in a weird posture that isn't helping the situation. And we eventually run out of breath before we're done talking, which causes that weird creaking sound. I'm going to try to do an example based on uh, Van Edwards' book. And what's really cool is if you buy the book, you get access to a bunch of this bonus material. You can actually watch some YouTube videos where she demos some of this stuff. So it goes something like this. I'm going to have a really long run on sentence. I'm going to eventually run out of breath and then my voice is going to start creaking and I'm going to start. uh, I actually can't do it. I don't think I do this very well. Uh, But vocal fry tends to happen when we raise our pitch. And remember that when we get nervous, our pitch tends to increase. So as we get more nervous, we're more likely to raise our pitch, sound squeaky, and this leads to the fry effect. This vocal cue tends to make us sound timid and it adds to us sounding nervous and unsure about the message that we are delivering. And this sound can also be like nails on a chalkboard to a lot of people. So when they hear this sound, they just shut down and they ignore what you're saying completely. So a few things that we can do to try to avoid the vocal fry, according to Van Edwards, is just speak in shorter sentences. Don't use run-on sentences as much. Don't go too fast. Try to slow down. Take more breaths. Pause more often. Try to speak up. Decrease your pitch. And when we speak up, we tend to require more breath, which causes us to breathe more, which keeps the fry effect from happening. So volume control. Controlling your volume isn't all about speaking louder. Being louder isn't the goal. Perhaps sometimes raising our volume is important, but the key here is control. Knowing when to raise your volume, knowing when to limit the volume, and knowing when to change it for effect. So good communicators do tend to speak louder, but they aren't yelling. They especially aren't yelling over people. According to research in the book, liars tend to drop their volume slightly when they're lying. And according to Van Edwards, humans are really in tune with this, uh, with this trust cue. So we tend to not trust people as much when they drop their volume mid-conversation. So again here, posture is important. Sit up straight. Take deep breaths. Plant your feet on the ground. Tilt your head up slightly. Clear your throat if you have to. This will also help get rid of that vocal fry. And again, remember, it's not about being loud. It's about controlling when you get loud. When you want to let people in on a secret or share some insider info, maybe you want to be a little bit quieter. And when you get passionate or excited, personally, I think it's okay to get a little bit louder to show how excited or passionate you are about this topic. And when you agree with someone, you want to encourage them, get a little bit louder to show that you're on their side. And the last one is something I see maybe more than any other one, filler words. Like, um, you know, all these things I hear people do constantly at work, outside of work, it's everywhere. And we tend to use these words for various reasons, but ultimately these filler words really tend to destroy our credibility. One of the studies from the book found that speakers who used filler words tended to be seen as less prepared and less competent. And one study from the book was really interesting and definitely eye-opening for me. The study asked participants to listen to two speeches, one with no filler words but filled with a bunch of fake facts and figures, totally untrue. Then the other speech was a bunch of filler words but real facts and real figures. 57% of participants thought that the speech with no fillers was given by somebody who was well-educated, even though the facts were completely made up. And only 36% 
of the participants thought that the person using the filler words was well-educated, 36%. That's a huge difference based completely on the use of filler words. And we tend to use filler words to either stall for time between thoughts or to keep talking so that people don't think that we're done and then interrupt us. And the last one is a big reason we also tend to speak faster. We don't want people to interrupt us, so we speak faster. We use more run-on sentences. We take fewer breaths. And of course, this leads to all the same issues that we've already talked about. It really all comes down to taking our time and making sure that we breathe. And here's a funny story. Back in high school, I had an English teacher who would give us presentations from time to time. And she would deduct a full point from your grade for every filler word that you used. And she would also use this little taboo buzzer to buzz every time we said one of the filler words. Eh, you know taboo? Eh, a little buzzer. You can imagine how many 17-year-old high school kids were buzzed during the presentations. And yes, I am still 100% guilty of using filler words. And I'm just lucky that I can use the magic of post-production to cut out all the filler words that I use in this podcast. But rest assured, I still do this too, even though I know it's killing my message. But we can at least try to cut out some of these filler words from our vocabulary. And Ben Edwards suggests speaking slower, taking more pauses, slowing down and give us more time to think about the thing that we're about to say. And when we know what we're going to say next, we're less likely to use the filler words. And whenever we feel like we're about to say like or um, just take a pause, just a split second, but just enough for us to catch ourselves and not say the word. Pausing also gives us a chance to take a quick breath, which, as you probably know by now, is super important. And Ben Edwards also has this thing she calls a power pause. And I just did it, if you didn't catch it, but I did a slight pause in the middle of my sentence. Notice the difference. Ben Edwards also has this thing she calls a power pause. Versus, Ben Edwards also has this thing she calls the power pause. The pause in the middle of the sentence, it kind of puts you on the edge of your seat, waiting to hear more. You could pause at the end of the sentence, but this might give somebody the impression that you're done talking. And if you have trouble with people interrupting you, this could give them that space to jump in. But if you pause in the middle of the sentence, I did it again, they are less likely to interrupt because they know that you're still in the middle of your thought. And there's one other awesome tip that Ben Edwards gives when people at work are doing something in a meeting, like maybe snapping at you for some reason or saying something inappropriate, you just take a small pause, you stare at them, <laughs> and you let them know that you don't approve. And I could see this working well in person. I'm not sure how well that might work in a virtual meeting, but I thought that it was kind of an amusing little tactic to get people to stop and think about how they're behaving. It's kind of funny, and I definitely want to try this uh, at some point in the future to see if it works, but hopefully I'm not in this situation all that often. Let's talk about vocal likability. Now, remember, the goal here is to use the confidence or the power factor and combine it with the warmth factor. I think of these next ones that what Van Edwards calls likability to be more about relationship building than, than anything else. And these are things that you can use in presentations or meetings, but these are also tips to use in just one-off conversations and maybe less informal environments. But I think that these are also completely valuable at work too. Now, again, remember, this is not to manipulate people into doing your bidding or trick them into thinking that you like them when you secretly can't stand them. But the way that I see these working is just to help build that friendly rapport quicker than you would if you just didn't do these things at all. And you might actually notice you do some of these things unconsciously already. At least I found myself doing a lot of these things. I doubt I'm that abnormal, although after I say that out loud, I actually have no idea how abnormal I actually am. Uh, Van Edwards breaks this likability factor into four main groups. The memorable first impression, sounding friendly, sounding encouraging and inviting, and then sounding more interesting. 
And these things together help build warmth and that likable factor that just makes us somebody our team wants to go to, not only for important conversations, but just someone they might want to sit with during lunch or grab a coffee with or whatever. So memorable first impression. Humans are funny, and people are most likely going to judge you the first 200 milliseconds that they meet you for the first time. Research shows that people often judge you based on your appearance, how you talk, your posture. Even a limp handshake can give somebody the impression that you're passive or easily manipulated. And what's also weird is that humans have this bias that is sometimes called the halo effect. And that's when we perceive somebody to have a positive trait, and we assume that they must have other positive traits, or sometimes we even think they're perfect. Now, conversely, when we see somebody doing something we don't like, maybe bad posture, maybe a weak handshake, we assume that they must be bad at everything else. So this first impression is really important when you go in for an interview or you join a new team, and maybe it's too late for a first impression for your current role, but this is something to think about as you transition between various jobs or organizations at work, the life in general. So practice your opener. Practice saying, hello, my name is... Practice that question that you know everybody will ask. Tell me about yourself. Write a couple of bullet points. Make sure you hit those things. Try recording it, listening to it to make sure that you know how other people hear you. So practice it until it's second nature. Try not to sound like a robot. And also note that when you go into a meeting, don't just complain about the internet not working or your computer being slow. Don't do that. Terrible first impression. Just tell everybody hello, that it's great to see them. Don't start a meeting on a down note, especially if you don't know everybody on that call. So sounding friendly. Ben Edwards suggests using what she calls a warm-up cue. And these are small phrases that you can have ready to use in a conversation to show people that you're warm and, and you want them to open up. These are really simple. Some of them you might already be using. Things like, hey, so glad you called. Hey, Jim, it's been too long. How's it going? Or, well, hello, hello. How's life? Or when you start a meeting, you could say things like, hey, everybody, happy Friday. Oh, it's great to see everybody today. Thank you for joining. Or, hey, everybody, how was your weekend? A lot of us are remote first and virtual first these days. So the sound of our voice is one of the best indicators that we have to show our team that we are warm and inviting. So these types of cues are really critical to showing your team that you're open and happy to hear from them or answer whatever questions they might have about anything. Sounding encouraging and inviting. And in cues, Van Edwards lists out a couple of types of cues that we give off to encourage people to open up and to engage with us. And the first is what she calls a listening sound. And these are little noises that we make when we listen. And a lot of times we do this kind of to ourselves without even realizing it. These are sounds like, ah, oh, hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These often might go along with a head nod, maybe. The second is encouraging words. These might be words like, yes, or wow, or ah, interesting, or really fascinating. Another one I say a lot, maybe too much is, oh, that's funny, or oh, that's hilarious. These are things that we say while somebody else might be talking. It's usually when we agree or we find something interesting. And these cues tell the speaker that we are listening and that we want them to keep talking. We want them to continue. And what's funny is that doing a lot of interviews on the Retro Time podcast, I'll go back and I'll listen and I'll hear myself doing this all the time. And it might be something that you're, you're not even aware of doing, but you might be doing it already today. So just knowing that this is a way to engage with people on our team and get them to open up is really important thing to know and to make sure that we're doing to get our team to view us as somebody that they can trust, that they can lean on, that they can get advice from. 
And what's maybe just as important to know here is that studies have been done and people who do not use these types of interjections are often perceived as cold and harsh. So if you're often one of those straight-faced stoic types or maybe you're just an introvert, just try throwing some of these little sounds or words into your conversation to help make you more open and inviting. doesn't have to be that hard. Sounding more interesting. So lastly, what's important to remember is that people on our teams are paying very close attention to how we say things, maybe more than they're actually paying attention to what we're saying. And knowing this can help us get our point across more clearly by being more engaging and making what we have to say something they actually want to hear, right? We need to speak so that our teams find us interesting. So think about presentations that you've sat through where the speaker was monotone the entire time, straight-faced, hands by their side, reading from index cards or something like that. Do you even remember what they were talking about? Probably not, because it was so boring that you don't even remember the content of their talk, no matter how smart or insightful the ideas may have actually been. So a simple way to get our teams to pay closer attention to our ideas is to add some emotion into our presentations. Use hand gestures. I'm doing it right now. You can't even tell. Use dynamic range and vocal variety. Change the pitch or volume as you approach that big idea or insight. You see what I just did? Emotion captures people's attention. And if you're excited to deliver the message, it tells your audience that what you have to say is really exciting and that they need to pay attention. And as UX professionals, we get really excited about helping users. We get really excited about solving challenging problems. We get really excited and passionate about designing or research or whatever it is that we care about. And when we care about something that much, we shouldn't act ambivalent about it. So we should be sharing our ideas and thoughts with as much passion and excitement as we brought to uncovering those insights in the first place. One of the interesting things that Van Edwards points out in her book is that when we practice too much and read straight from a script, we lose a lot of that emotion. So instead of rehearsing a script and reading it word for word, she suggests a simple outline, follow the outline, but leave space for you to ad-lib, improvise, so that you can bring some of that emotion into your presentation. And lastly, she advises sort of channeling your inner idol. So find your favorite speaker and try to mimic some of the things that they do. Maybe it's Martin Luther King. Maybe it's Steve Jobs. Maybe it's John F. Kennedy. Hopefully it's not Donald Trump. My personal favorite is Simon Sinek. But go and watch videos of them talking. See what they do. See how, see what gestures they make. What vocal cues do they use? Do, try, to, try to take some of that and incorporate it into your presentation. It doesn't have to be perfect impression. It shouldn't be really. But just think about how they would deliver some of your ideas if they were to talk about them. So before your next big presentation, take some deep breaths, fix your posture, try some vocal exercises to get your vocal cords ready. I like to do me, 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 me. <laughs> and think about how your favorite speaker would present the ideas. So some things to keep in mind before we wrap this up, I want to leave you with a few things to keep in mind during your next meeting presentation. Number one, try to be yourself. Get as comfortable as you can be. Remember that being nervous causes our body to do a lot of these things that cause us to sound nervous, like speaking too fast, not breathing properly, hunching over, the vocal fry effect, and all that bad stuff. Next, don't forget to take a breath. The breathing will allow your body to do all that stuff that it needs to do to make sure that you don't sound nervous. Third, speak slowly. Try to take more pauses. Number four, don't forget that we need the right mix of confidence and warmth. We need to find the balance so that we don't come across as too authoritarian or too unprofessional. 
Next, use some of those vocal cues like listening sounds, encouraging words to to get your teams to open up to you. Next, use vocal variety and emotion when you're presenting to get your team to want to pay attention to your message. And lastly, try to channel your inner speaking idol and take some cues from the way that they they talked or gave presentations. Well, all right, y'all, I think that's it for me for today. I really enjoyed reading cues. I think it provides a lot of really valuable insights into how we can improve how we deliver our message so that people focus less on us and more on what we have to say. And this book has a ton more stuff to dig into. So check the show notes for a link to purchase the book and also check out Vanessa Van Oberds on YouTube. She's got a lot of great videos and examples of some of the things that we talked about today, like Vocal Fry, which unfortunately I don't think I can really mimic all that well. So check out our YouTube channel because she's got some really great examples of that. When you hear her do it, you'll be like, oh my God, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Check out the show notes for links to all that and make sure you pick up the book. It is really, really, really good. So what do y'all think? Have any of you already read cues? Have you tried anything from the book? Has it helped you to get more respect and credibility within your team? Let me know what you think on LinkedIn or shoot me an email at hello at beyonduxdesign.com. I'd love to hear from you. And if you like what you heard today, don't forget, like or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you feel like you're getting some out of the show, I would love it if you left a five-star review. That would help me out so much more than you know, would help other people find the show. And if you know someone who might find this stuff useful, then I would love it if you told a friend. That'd be fantastic. Sign up for the newsletter. Check out all the past episodes at beyonduxdesign.com. I hope you keep coming back for more great UX tips from Beyond UX Design. And until next time, remember, you're more than a designer because there's so much more to UX than design. I'll see you around. Take care, y'all. 